Jesus, we love you, Jesus, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus looked at them and said, But if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. He knew that if they lifted him up on the cross and they crucified him between heaven and earth, they would think that they got him. They thought that they had him. But, man, but when they lifted him up, that's when he was lifted up in victory. They thought they were lifting him up in defeat. They thought they were exposing him to the world in defeat. But what was really happening is that as he was lifted up on the cross at Calvary, he was lifted up in victory so that every devil could get a good look at what the ultimate sacrifice looks like. I'm going to tell you, you may feel like you've been lifted up and people have mocked you and looked at you and laughed at you and you've been, you've, you, you've been ostracized and you may feel defeated, but just hang on just a minute because he's the lifter of my head. You may have thought it was over, but he's the lifter of your head. You may have thought it was defeat, but it was the ultimate victory. You may have thought it was over and it was said and done, but just hang on a minute. Just hang on a minute. He's the lifter of my head. He's the lifter of my head. I cannot be defeated when he is the lifter of my head. Somebody just worship him right now. Somebody say thank you for lifting. Thank you for lifting. Thank you for lifting. Thank you for lifting my head. Thank you for lifting my head. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for lifting. Sing that again. Thank you for lifting. Why don't you sing that to the Lord right now? Thank you for lifting my head. Come on, lift your voice like a great choir this morning. Oh, thank you for lifting. Oh, thank you for lifting. Why don't you just thank him right now? Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, lift your voice and sing. Thank you for lifting. Thank you for lifting. Lord, I thank you for lifting my head. Thank you for lifting. Thank you for lifting. hands one more time to the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
the Holy Ghost is here right now to lift somebody. You may have come in here with your head hang, hung low and you've been under heavy burdens, but the Lord is the lifter of your head. He is the lifter of your head. We'll preach in a minute if we need to, but God wants to move in this place right now. Somebody ought to lift your hands and lift your voice and just let the Lord lift your spirit right now. Come on, let your voice out loud in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. He's still the lifter of your head. He's still the lifter of your head. He's still the lifter of your head. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you just reach over and grab the hand of the person next to you or put your hand on their shoulder right now and just, just pray with them right now. The Lord is touching people right now. The Lord is ministering in this place right now this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you're going to encourage and strengthen in the name of Jesus. You are the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. Yes, the Lord came here for you this morning. He came here to lift your head today. He came to strengthen and encourage you. He is your shield and your exceeding great reward. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Turn to the book of Daniel, chapter number one, this morning. Great presence of the Lord here today. I um, really am going to preach a, a, a two-part series today and tonight. And um, um, tonight's the real good part. Today is just the the good part. Tonight's real good, so I've already seen the notes. Um, what the Lord began to talk about me first was actually tonight. What I'm going to preach tonight, and then um, I felt in the Holy Ghost we kind of needed to take care of this part first, and then we'll get to where we're going tonight. Praise God. Daniel chapter 1, beginning with verse number 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah of Shadrach, and unto Mishael of Meshach, and unto Azariah of Abednego. We know them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was the names given to them by the Babylonians. But they were, their Hebrew names were uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse number 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Praise God. Go ahead and be seated this morning. I'm going to uh, talk for a few moments and then uh, just kind of lay a little bit of a groundwork. Um, the, the book of Daniel is a prophetic book. We often, uh, us good church folks that uh, grew up in Sunday school, often hear the name Daniel and uh, think automatically about the lion's den. Um, but there's a lot more that happened in the life of Daniel, significant things, uh, while he was in captivity than just that one encounter. He... Uh, uh, the, the Bible tells us here, and what, what was taking place is uh, they were taken captive. Uh, the Babylonians came in and ransacked Judah and uh, took them uh, captive. This was about 600 B.C., 605 B.C., somewhere around there in the timeline, and uh, carried a number of them back to Babylon. And uh, just for geographical uh, reference, it would be somewhere in south, southeastern Iraq, so it was a little bit of a journey to go from Jerusalem uh, all the way to Babylon. And uh, they took them there. And if you read the, in Scripture, when you, when you're, you can read one or two verses, and it can give you a lot of insight into what is happening over a very long period of time. It says here that the plan was um, that, they would, that they would feed them a certain diet for three years before they would stand before the king. 
So they come to Babylon, and, and one thing that, that immediately happens is they change their names, they change their diet, and they're trying to get all of the Hebrew culture out of them if they're going to live in Babylon. So in order to do that, a couple of things that they did that uh, you can tell a lot about somebody's culture that has a lot to do with where they come from, their names and the food that they eat. Anytime you talk to somebody who lives in another country or somebody goes abroad, probably one of the first questions you're going to ask them was, how was the food? Because food, certain foods are in certain cultures that, you know, it's, it's all different and, and uh, you know, God bless America. Um, I love American food, and, and I can, I can, I've gone to uh, Bangladesh a couple of times, and uh, I think the reason why I, I can, uh, like, like I, why I think it's okay is because I know I'm coming home in about seven or eight days. Um, but um, this was one of the ways in which they begin to indoctrinate them with their culture. And... Um, so this was going to take a, a good period of time. Now, there were a, there were a number of uh, captives that they had taken with them to Babylon, uh, a great number. But we, we just see a few of them, especially in the book of Daniel. There's a lot that takes place. Uh, this is really kind of the setup in the book of Daniel of prophecy that's, that gives us a kind of a, uh, an idea of what's happening in the prophetic timeline. And, and uh, what we are watching right now, if, if peace happens in the Middle East, like they're talking about doing, when that comes to pass, that is the beginning of Daniel's 70th week or the seven-year tribulation. We are, we are, you know, you can look at it one way or another. And as I was praying here a few minutes ago, we just may very well be the generation that sees what Daniel saw 26, 2700 years ago in, in prophecy and what the Lord showed him. We are living right there. As soon as they declare peace, the Bible says, then there shall be war. And, and what is taking place and the possibility of it. Uh, we are so very close. I believe we are the generation that is going to see the, the prophetic fulfillment of what the Lord began to show Daniel. Um, but let me back up. They, 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 they came from uh, uh, the Holy Land and they take them to Babylon and they want to infiltrate them into uh, Babylonian culture. They change their names, they change their diet, um, and they want to root out everything about them uh, that would, um, that would tie them or connect them to their homeland. Uh, the big thing about the diet was is they were living under the law of Moses. And so they were giving them certain meats that would cause them to be defiled according to the law that they were living by at that time. And so this wasn't, this wasn't an accident like you're just going to eat our food. No, they were going to try to forcibly get them to adjust to eating things that the law of Moses said they were not supposed to eat. This was much more than just you're going to eat our food because they knew, the Babylonians knew, as soon as we can get them to eat our food, we can get them to leave their culture and join ours because the food that they ate was embedded in the law of God which they lived by. So they began to adjust their diet. Now, uh, uh, Daniel, or, or they, they tried to name him Belteshazzar, but we know him as Daniel, but we know them according to how we learned it in Sunday school, or we learned the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know them by their Babylonian names, uh, but their Hebrew names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, they, they wanted to change their names, change their diet, and get them disconnected from where they should be. Satan... Uh, if he wants to get you involved in the world, he cannot do so without simultaneously trying to do everything he can to disconnect you from where you came from. 
He, he, he's not just going to, he can't present the pleasures of sin without somehow trying to drive a wedge between you and where you came from. And this is what they were, it was a very sinful culture. It was a very wicked culture, uh, the Babylonians. But it wasn't enough just to dangle the, the sin and the pleasures of sin that they could indulge in. But he, that what they began to do is say, you're not going to be called by that name. You're going to be called by this name. And you're not going to eat that food. You're going to eat this food. And so it was a process of trying to disconnect them from where they came from in order to get them infiltrated into the Babylonian culture. But at the very beginning of the book of Daniel, of all the prophetic things that happen in this book, there is something that is so absolutely paramount that we must understand and grasp a hold of at the very beginning. As far as this book is concerned, with, with everything that takes place in this book, things seem to go in a, in a, in a sequential order that help us grasp a hold of, of, of how things are to go about. And that is at the very beginning, they are faced with uh, abandoning their consecration to their God. They are faced with the, with the option of, or, or with the, with the, uh, uh, situation of they are going to have to abandon their name, abandon their food, and with abandoning their food, they are in effect abandoning the law of Moses that they have lived under and that they have obeyed what the, the, the dispensation that they were under at that time. And, and the, the, the first thing that comes against them in their captivity is uh, the, the enemy or the Babylonians wanted to deal with their consecration unto their God. You see, they grew up hearing the law of Moses, reading from the scrolls and reading the, 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 the Torah and, uh, and knowing the laws of God. They knew that there was only one God. That uh, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was, in, this was indoctrinated into them as, as young children. It was indoctrinated into them when they were to go and, and how they were to pray and the sacrifices they were going to bring. Uh, uh, all of the things of the law of Moses that we see, it was indoctrinated into them as very young children and so they are faced with the situation of, of abandoning everything they have always known uh, 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 in order to blend into Babylonian culture this is what the Babylonians had for them they had plans for them it was a three year plan the Babylonians were going to take their time with making sure all of the Hebrew teachings were out of them it's going to take time to make sure all of the, the law of Moses was as erased from their memory and from their spirit as, as it was possible and blend them into Babylonian culture. You see, if, if Satan cannot keep you from Egypt, he will try to carry you to Babylon. Satan cannot stop you from being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. He cannot stop you from repenting of your sins, from having your sins washed away in baptism, from being filled with his spirit. But after a little while, a little uh, longer along the way, he can hopefully get you from Jerusalem to Babylon. And, and it, it, it is his second plan. And we see that because of the sin that infiltrated God's people at this time, uh, God allowed the Babylonians to come in and to ransack the city and to take them captive and to, and to take them away to Babylon at this time. And, and we see at, before the, all of the prophecy that comes uh, into Daniel that, that Daniel sees and, and the things he begins to say and his role in the kingdom at that time. We see the place where the Babylonians uh, are, are trying to challenge their consecration. So the, the, uh, a certain man is, is assigned to uh, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. And his, his assignment, his assignment is to get them to eat the king's meat. Man, it's funny how the Lord works. I just don't even, uh, I, I think I know which direction I go when I get up here and the Lord just says, there are specifically assigned people that the devil will bring into your life for the sole purpose of getting you to change your diet. 
There are people specifically assigned. Oh, no, 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 it's not. No, they don't know. No, no, not them. No, no. Let me tell you, the supernatural is very, very real. And the enemy knows just who to bring in your life at the right time with an assignment. And that is not, not to get you to renounce everything, not to get you to do something crazy, but just to, get to, to begin to drive a wedge between you and the consecration that the Lord has brought you into. He wants to drive a wedge and begin to separate you from that which has been put in your spirit. But there is, there is something in the hearts and the lives of these men that as soon as this man came to them with a three-year plan in order to get them to quit eating the food that they ate as, as, as men of God and as Hebrew men that he was going to change their diet and in effect he would change their life and beliefs. They stood and they said no we're not going to eat the portion of the king's meat but if you will let us eat this and, and if you read through the text you'll notice that, that, that the man that was assigned to them says back to them well if you don't eat this food the king may very well take my head if you don't do this it's going to put me in danger it was this subtle passive-aggressive spirit that'll even come to people and say, well, if you're too committed to church, your family may suffer. Someone else is going to suffer if, if you don't quit all of that stuff. Somebody else might just, might not, it may not end well for them. Or Look at, look at these negative things that are going to happen if, if you don't go along with what's going, if you don't go along to get along and just make everybody happy. But, but I'm thankful that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Daniel were not go-along-to-get-along type of men because they purposed in their heart, and the Bible says, they purposed in their heart that they would not have have a portion of the king's meat. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. There was that deep-rooted commitment to the things of God in his own heart and his life that he said, I don't care what the consequences are. I don't care what lies before me. I will not defile myself with the things of the world. They knew, they knew very well what the tactics were of the Babylonians in changing their diet. It was a process of integrating them in to a lifestyle which they had not yet been accustomed to and was completely foreign to them. And the Babylonians knew if we can get them on the, uh, with the food, everything else will fall into place. If they will forsake the law of Moses and the things that they put in their mouth, then they will eventually, uh, uh, they will eventually completely lose leave the law of Moses if Satan can get you to intake things into your spirit he'll take his time even if it's a three year plan he's not in a hurry he's not in a hurry but they had purposed in their heart somebody's got a purpose in your heart now with everything that's going on in the world, with prophetic uh, things that are in development right now, I don't care what the future holds. I will not defile myself with the things of the world. I will not defile myself with sin. I will not defile myself no matter how convenient it is. No matter if I'm surrounded by it, I will not defile myself with the things of the world. you got to understand that these men, they were surrounded by a culture. The book of Daniel doesn't tell us about a lot of other Hebrew uh, 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 men and women that were standing for what they knew was right. You know what that means? That means there are a lot of Hebrews that were taken into captivity that just went down, just went with the flow because they didn't want to resist and they didn't want to make a scene and they didn't want to make a show and they didn't want to be a problem and they didn't want to they didn't want to say or do anything that would cause them any harm. But these men made up in their mind, I will not, I will not defile myself. I don't care what happens. I don't care what becomes of me. I don't care what, uh, how it affects me. I will not defile myself with the things of the world. And there has got to be a generation in this day and in this hour that says, I will not defile myself with the things of the world. 
Oh, hallelujah. We've got to make up our mind right now. We've got to get it in our spirit right now that when trouble does come and when opposition really does come, I've made up my mind a long time ago. I'm not going to defile myself. I don't care what happens. I'm going to be committed and I'm going to be consecrated to my God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands and lift your voice right now and tell him that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's got to be something that gets a hold of us deeper than it's ever been before. There's got to be something that gets so deep in my spirit that I don't know what else to do but to serve my God. You've got to understand that the Jewish people, the Israelites, they were taught from a very young age, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They were taught how to serve him with their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. The reason why you go, you can look at videos of the way wailing wall and those people praying at the wailing wall and they're not just standing they're still at the wailing wall but they're moving back and forth they're moving their hands and they're and they're crying out loud unto the Lord you know why because they will tell you that when they begin to praise God and they begin to pray unto God that their whole being cries out to God that their whole that they cannot worship God while just standing still and just uttering words, but their whole being cries out to their Savior that their whole body can't sit still when they worship their God. I'm telling you to this morning, that's what was indoctrinated into them since they were little babies. That's what was taught to them since they were young. And when they came to Babylon, something triggered in their spirit, and they said, I will not defile myself. Hallelujah. We got to get it. We've got to get it. We don't need less commitment. We need more commitment. I'm going to tell you, a weak need Pentecostalism is not going to stand in the last day because just as surely as Daniel is a prophetic book, he stood before men that put pressure on him and put him in tough situations. But at the very beginning of the book, it tells us that these men decided the first thing is they will not defile themselves. want to be used by God, want, to be, want, to, want, want, want the gifts of the Spirit to flow. But we live in a generation that don't want to be consecrated, but wants the gifts. Doesn't want to be committed, but wants a gift of prophecy, wants God to talk to me. But at the very beginning of Daniel sets the tone for the gifts of the Spirit that operate. It sets the tone for, prof- for prophecy, and it sets the tone for the spiritual warfare that happened in the book of Daniel. And that is this very simply, I will not defile myself with a portion of the king's meat. God's looking for a people that are just that are just as committed as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. God's looking for a people that are just have their mind made up just as much as Daniel did that said, I will not defile myself. I don't care what happens to me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to reject and go back on everything that I was taught. I'm going to receive what God has for me. I'm going to walk in his word. I'm going to walk in his ways, and I'm going to serve him. With all of my heart, I wonder if you would lift your hands one more time to the Lord and just love him right now. Hallelujah. 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 I know that what the world is looking for is not some folks that worship on Sunday and live for the devil on Monday. What this world does not need is folks that profess him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. You see, it was one thing in the city of Jerusalem to say that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, but it's a whole nother thing to be in the land of Babylon surrounded by all kinds of people that don't believe like you do, that worship other gods, and for that teaching to stick and for it to stay. There's got to be something deep within your
your spirit that is so rooted and is so grounded within you that when you're surrounded by the adversary, you still will say, I will not defile myself. Oh, hallelujah. It's easy to do it right now. It's easy to do it right now. Nobody's up in our face about it. It's easy to do it right now. I know there's some opposition a little bit here and a little bit there, but still across the board, it's easy right now. It's one thing to say it in Zion. It's another thing to say it in Babylon. It's one thing to say it in Jerusalem, but it's a whole other thing to live it out when everybody's in your face and the pressure is on and your back's up against the wall and they've got you in a corner, but you've got to make up your mind when you're in Jerusalem. You've got to make up your mind when you're in Zion that I will not defile myself if they haul me to Babylon, if they surround me, if they put pressure on me, I will not defile myself. I'm preaching to some people here today. I'm preaching right now that as the times draw nearer to the coming of the Lord, we cannot be less consecrated. We cannot be less committed. But there's got to be something in my spirit that says I want more of Jesus. I want more commitment. I want more consecration unto him. Somebody just lift your hands right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is calling us higher. God is calling us higher. God is calling us deeper. Hallelujah. Get it in your spirit now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you that as the time draws nearer to the coming of the Lord, as we get closer to the rapture of the church, there is going to be a greater outpouring of the things of God and the Spirit of God than we have ever seen before. There is going to be a greater activation of the gifts of the Spirit like we have never seen before. There is going to be greater angelic uh, visitations in the earth like we have never seen and felt and know of before. But hear me, the ones that are going to stand in the face of opposition are the ones that when they were in Jerusalem made up their mind, I don't care what happens. They, you see, they, they were in Babylon, not of their own fault, but of the fault of other people, if you want to get down to it, because they lived it. But by and large, the entire nation had, had turned against God. And so they hauled them away to Babylon. But there was something in their heart that says, even in Babylon, I will not defile myself. I know everybody's against me. I know I've got opposition. I know things are in my face. I know the culture is different. I know the influences are different. I know people are putting pressure on me from this side and from that side. But God is going to, uh, is going to begin to speak through people who made up their mind first and foremost. I will not defile myself. God is going to make an example out of people that say I will not defile myself God is going to promote people who say I will not defile myself with a portion of the king's meat Jesus. hallelujah there are words to be spoken there is a word from God that is going to come through his church in the last days like it never has before. But God is not going to speak through his people without any commitment. God is not going to use people that aren't really committed to his law and to his way. He is not going to promote people who, 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 will, who will kowtow to every other person's feelings and who will be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm here to preach to us this morning that we need to get it in our spirit right now. 
that I will stand for what is right. I will stand for the gospel. I will stand for the word of God. The media comes after me. I've got to make up my mind. I'm going to stand. Whoever it is. Whatever it is. I've got to make up my mind now. The prophetic utterances that came through Daniel. I didn't even talk about the things that they went through. Three Hebrew children in the fire furnace, Daniel in the, in the den of lions and, and the things that they went through. There's, there's more to it than just being uh, pressure put on them. But hear me. God gave a dream to Daniel. After the king said he had a dream and nobody could, not only could they not interpret it, but he didn't even know the dream and it troubled him. So he called all of the wise men together and said, I've had a dream and it troubles me. They said, what is it? He said, that's the problem. I don't know. And if you don't figure out what the dream was, I'm going to kill all of you. He sends out a decree when they couldn't do it. I'm, he was going to slay them all. Daniel says, oh, wait just a minute. There was a man that was consecrated before God that knew how to get a hold of God. And he went back to his place and he began to pray and he fell asleep that night and the Lord gave him a dream. I feel the angels of the Lord right now. And he woke up the next day he began to give praise unto God because he is the one that is the revealer of secrets. There's got to be somebody in a wicked world that's consecrated before God. I know, I know society is against the church. I know society is against the things of God. I know our society goes against everything that the Bible stands for. But there's got to be somebody that says I'm consecrated first and foremost. Because there's going to come a day where the world says I've got a problem. And they need somebody that knows how to touch the Lord. They need somebody that knows how to pray. They need somebody that knows how to get into the presence of God and get a word from God and there's going to be somebody that says I know the revealer of secrets. I know the one who has the answer. But everything that God is going to do in you and through you and he wants to do through his church prophetically speaking from the understanding of the book of Daniel which in reality what scholars will say it is the foundation for Prophecy into the end time. It sets the tone from the Old Testament. Sixty-nine weeks of years have already been accomplished according to the prophecy given about Daniel's 70 weeks of years. Sixty-nine have already been accomplished. And we are awaiting right now that last week of years, that last seven years. We are there. We are between the end of that 69th week and the 70th. But there's going to be a people. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care how much pressure society puts on the church. I don't care how much, how much pressure society and the world puts on the church to, to let go of our consecration. To say, oh, that's not a big deal. That's not, that's not a big deal here. and That's not a big deal. You know, uh, God still loves you if you don't do this. God will still listen to you if you don't do that. And if we're not careful, we'll listen to what the world is saying because there will be somebody in your life personally that has an assignment from hell to come to you because they want to get you to let up on your consecration. There's got to be something in our spirit. Hear me this morning. There's got, it's got to get in our spirit now. We can't wait till the pressure's on. The reason why those Hebrew men stood for what was true and what was right is because they sat in a synagogue somewhere. They sat in, in listening to the Torah. They sat listening to the, the, the law of Moses and they heard the verses and they sat listening to the prophets and, and it was ingested into them as little boys and they heard it and they, and, they, and they kept it and they hid it in their heart when they were little boys. I'm going to tell you right now that we've got to get it in our spirit now because when the time comes when the pressure is turned on and the heat is turned up on the church, there's going to be people that not only stand, but there's going to be a flow of the Spirit of God that comes out of you. The gifts of the Spirit are going to operate through His church like they never have before. There's something about the opposition that's going to activate things in the Spirit just like it did for Daniel and the three, and the, and the three Hebrew children. God is going to begin to speak through you. 
but it does not happen. If Daniel would have given in and said, okay, you know, I'll have a little bit of here and I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to make, you know, I don't want to make them uncomfortable or anything. See, Daniel was one of the wise men that was carried away. And had Daniel let up on his consecration, he would not have said, whoa, 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 wait, king. God would not have spoken to him in a dream. And he would not have carried the word from God to Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel would have died with the rest of those wise men. But because he consecrated, because he refused to be defiled by the king's meat, God was speaking to him. Don't let people tell you that, that, that it doesn't matter, that your consecration and your commitment doesn't matter, that, that Jesus still loves you anyway. Yes, he loves you. He loves everybody that's ever lived. That doesn't mean he's going to speak through you. That doesn't mean you're going to be a chosen vessel. That doesn't mean he's going to operate through you. Yes, the love of God never leaves. The love of God is forever. But your consecration and your commitment determines whether or not you are a chosen vessel for God to speak through. We are living in the last days. Hear me. I'm not trying to draw a crowd. God's trying to build a church. God's looking for people that will say, I will not defile myself. I don't care. I don't care. I've, I've, I've thought it through. I've made my decision. Whatever the sacrifice is, I will live, believe, and love the Word of God that there is one God and His name is Jesus. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You must save yourself from an untoward generation. I've got to make up my mind right now that that is the only saving message. And whatever voice comes to me and tries to drive a wedge between me and my consecration, whatever tries to drive a wedge between me and my commitment to my God, whatever tries to drive a wedge between me and everything the Word of God says, my response will be very very simple. I will not defile myself with even a portion of the king's meat. Stand with me this morning. Some, there are some very powerful things coming for some individuals in this church, for this body as a whole. But hear me, here's, here's where it starts. Before, you, before we get into all the good little things, the, all of the exciting things, there's got to be that one statement in my spirit. I will not defile myself. The enemy is constantly attacking churches. He's got the world, but I'm going to tell you what he hates. He hates the church. And the first and foremost thing he hates about the church is its barriers of defense against sin. And that is commitment, consecration, and holiness. And Satan comes to the wall. He can't get through the wall, so he challenges the wall. Just have a little bit of this. It's not a big deal. You're not going to go to hell over it. It's not gonna, you're not going to get lost over this. So he picks at the wall. Because it is a barrier of defense. And what Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Daniel had learned when they were just little boys. There might have been times that they didn't really like the food that they were eating so much, but they did it because it was part of the law. But there would come a day where everything that they ate as children became the barrier of defense they despised maybe when they were little kids and had to be forced to, you know, you, those, you gotta force your kids to eat some certain things. Maybe just mine. But there came a time. There came a time 
where what was a what was a difficult thing for their mother to do in their life was ultimately going to save their life. It was going to be the barrier of defense against Babylonian mindset and ideology and doctrine. It was going to be the barrier that kept them from falling into sin and wickedness and just becoming another number of the captives. But because it got in their spirit that when they were little boys, there came a time where that one man that was assigned to them said, I, I've got to get you to eat this or they're going to kill me. They say, yeah, I'm sorry. You might... Uh, Sorry, you know, I hope you don't get killed, but a commitment is a commitment. Don't want nobody to die here, but I made a, I made a decision one day that I would not defile myself with even a portion of the king's meat. There's got to be somebody here today that you make up in your mind, I'm not going to defile myself. Make up in your mind today. That, that it gets in your spirit today. Now, God is doing a sovereign work in His church in this last day hour. And we've got to get it in our spirit now. Before God begins to operate in you in a more powerful way, God's saying, hold on, stop just a minute. I need to know if you're committed to me. I need to know if, you, if you've made up your mind that there's nothing more important than being used by me. Would you join me around this altar this morning, somebody? Hallelujah. God's doing a work in, I didn't mean to preach this long this morning. God's doing a work in somebody's life today. God's trying to get a hold of somebody and say, I will not defile myself with even a portion of the king's meat. I will not, I will not give in to society. I will not give in to culture. I will not give in to what the world says. Somebody lift your hands all over this building right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. God, we are, we are determined. Lord, whatever happens, I will not give in. In the name of Jesus. Somebody lift your voice right now.